Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. As Kyle mentioned earlier, today is the International Day of Prayer for the persecuted church, persecuted Christians. And today's sermon is really about faith that's required uh, for all of us, whether we are here where it's comfortable to worship God or on the other side of the world where just by believing in Jesus, following Jesus, persecution comes. So with that as a backdrop, I'll be preaching out of Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 40. If you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to open them up. And let me invite you to rise if you're able to for the hearing of God's word. Hebrews 11:32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sewn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Thank you, Father, for these words. Holy Spirit, we ask that you guide this time. Renew our hearts. Renew our minds. We thank you for your word again. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. It's coming on. <laughs> oh, there we go. So I don't know if you caught all that in the beginning, the sermon bumper. We have 360 million Christians who live in places that are being persecuted. And then on a daily basis, on average last year, 15 Christians were killed. Every day, each day. Uh, six churches were attacked and 12 Christians were detained. And today is really about praying for them. Open Doors has a list, they have a watch list of countries um, that persecute Christians. And number one on the list, four out of the last five years, was North Korea. And uh, they, they have a report, and here are the reasons why it's number one. 
Uh, essentially, when it comes to your private life, there is no private life. So police and intelligence agents, they search homes without warnings. Teachers are encouraging their students to denounce their parents if they see them behaving contrary to what they have learned. So even in your own home, there is no freedom to worship God. Your family life is affected. Baptisms cannot be openly conducted because doing so would result in imprisonment or execution. Community life. So there's a neighborhood watch system where people are encouraged to turn one another in. Nationally, Christians are portrayed as evil betrayers of the nation and missionary activities are referred to as acts of terrorism. And essentially, there's no church life. All church activities are illegal in North Korea except for the services held in Pyongyang's official churches, which are attended by tourists as evidence of North Korea's freedom of religion. Uh, public executions are becoming more frequent just for possessing a Bible. Distribution of Bibles is more harshly punished than possession. So that's reality that North Koreans are facing each day. And there are many countries around the world where no one gets to have the freedom that, that we have. No one stopped us from gathering today. No one stopped us from worshiping our God today. So many people, um, interestingly, follow Christ to avoid such persecution. And yet the Bible teaches us something else. If you look at 2 Timothy, verses, uh, chapter 3, verse 12, my clicker is not working today. Can you just go to the next slide? The Apostle Paul writes, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Right? Notice it doesn't say, all who live a godly life will be persecuted. Just even the mere desire to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. So there it is in black and white. So for us to follow Jesus means persecution will follow. Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteous, righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So blessed are those who are persecuted. Contrary to what we want, contrary to what many of us do believe. So scripture promises that if we follow God, then persecution will come. So, so how can we live through persecution? How can our brothers and sisters around the world live through persecution? What do we need? You know, when you hear of testimonies of those who survived such persecution, what do they have? And what do you and I need to live boldly for God and face persecution instead of running away? Well, what we need is faith. Faith is what we need. 
And so today's text, Hebrews chapter 11, I read the, the last part of the chapter, is a chapter that really talks about faith. It's the hall of fame of faith. And the first verse of chapter 11 defines what faith is. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So that's how Hebrews 11, the author of Hebrews, defined faith. Now, the book of Hebrews was written for Christians who were being persecuted. It was difficult times to be a Christian during the time of the writing. And many of the believers were thinking, if God is such a loving God, why is life so hard? Have you ever thought that? I have. God is a God of love. That's what, that's what we hear. God is love. And there are some days where God just doesn't feel like love. Or maybe he's loving somebody else today and not me. And when persecution comes, many times I look up to God and say, why me? Have you ever said that prayer? Why me? I'm doing everything right. Why this? Why me? And so if you're feeling that way, let me encourage you to just read through the book of Hebrews. Or pay attention to today's text. Because today's text really addresses that. As I mentioned earlier, Hebrews 11 is the faith hall of fame chapter, so to speak. And if you look through just even the verses above the text that I just read, it says, by faith, by faith, by faith. By faith he left Egypt. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish. And so it talks about how people, by faith, were to work through difficult times, face challenges, and face persecution. So in verse 32, the author continues after speaking about all these heroes of faith. And what more shall I say? And then he says, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah. Those are judges. Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah. Hopefully, you know one or two names there. Or maybe you know all four of them from the Bible. And they were living in times. There were judges, and they were leading the nation of Israel during time when faith was at a premium. Judges 17.6 says, In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That was the backdrop for these judges to really trust in God. And that is what they did. They trusted in God. Gideon, as you may remember, was told, Less is more. Right? His army. God just kept saying, you have too many, you have too many, you have too many. So he had 300. And yet, 
even though according to the world, that's not how you defeat your enemy. He trusted in God, and he saw victory through that. Barack, Samson, and Jephthah also were given situations where they had to trust God. Now, if you read through the Bible, if you read through the book of Judges, you're going to notice that all four of them, they were not perfect believers. They all had their flaws. And yet, when the rubber met the road, they trusted in God. Let's skip two, let's skip two slides. So. And of course, there's David. Of course, King David. He has many stories. Probably the most famous one is when he had to face Goliath. That required faith. Samuel was a prophet, of course. And then there are other prophets. They were all people who demonstrated how to have faith in God. And then the author continues, and now there are many nameless people. He talks about those who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Now, who's he talking about there? We know that one, right? Who stopped the mouths of lions? Anyone know? Daniel, right? Daniel in the lion's den. Quenched the power of fire. Who may that be? Oh, who is it? Yes, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? They were thrown into the burning furnace. And they said, my God will rescue us. And even if he doesn't, we're still going in. That's faith. Right? Escaped the edge of sword. Many have faced that. We're made strong out of weakness. Isn't that what it's all about? We are strong in our weakness because of God. Became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. And then it says here, women received back their dead by resurrection. Elijah and Elisha both prayed over dead sons, right? And they came back to life. Now, when you hear stories like this and when you read the Bible and you hear these victories, it makes you feel good about the God that you believe in, right? It makes you want to trust him even more. But... Sometimes, I never get to experience these victories. I feel like I'm always getting defeated. Do you ever, do you ever feel that way? No. How come God shows up for Samson? How come God shows up for David? And I'm facing my Goliath today, and God's not showing up. Do you, do you ever feel that way? We've been so conditioned to believe in just part of what Scripture teaches us. And many preachers love to preach passages like 
this. You believe in God, and God will show up. Your child is dead, boom. He came back to life. So in a way, that's just, you know, there's even a, a movie, a documentary called The American Gospel, right? And, and that's what Americans, we love, you know, where the bad guy loses and the good guy wins. Those who have Jesus in their heart, they never lose. But then when you lose, what does that indicate? Does that mean you don't have enough faith? Is that what the Bible's teaching us? Or when you lose, does that mean God is not with you? Clearly, that's how many of us have been conditioned to believe in. But that's not the guide of the Bible. Fortunately for us, this is not where the chapter ends. So even though up to this point, it's success after success after success to those who had faith in God. The verse continues. So after saying, women receive back their dead by resurrection, it says, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they, may, they might rise again to a better life. for a better resurrection, as the NIV would say. So the author is, is shifting gears here. The author first said, okay, here are all the heroes of faith. Look at all the marvelous things they've done, what, how God just showed up. And then, here are those who are following God, and God did not show up. They were tortured. They were refusing to accept release. That word, some here, is the, real, the, the direct translation of that word is others, and many believe it says other women is what it means. So some women received their children from the dead, they were resurrected, but other women did not. That's what that means. Actually, the intertestamental period, so between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are some books, it's called the Apocrypha, that's not part of our Bible, but it does document what happened between those 400 years. And there's a Syrian king under his occupation. He wanted people, people who believed in God, to denounce God and, or face death. So he would call people to disobey the law of God. He would force them to eat unclean foods and reject the law. And what he would do is, he would typically bring the men out from the families, and starting from the oldest, he would say, denounce God or face death. And time after time, people did not renounce God. So they would torture, they would cut the tongues out, they would um, burn them to death. And so after the first born is dead, then they go to the next son. 
And then they do the same thing over and over again until they die or until they renounce God. In 2 Maccabeans, which is uh, one of the books that I mentioned, in chapter 7, verse 29, here's what one of the mothers said to the youngest son, as all the oldest, older sons were already butchered and died. The mother says, Do not fear this butcher, but prove worthy of your brothers. Accept death so that in God's mercy... I may get you back again along with your brothers. This is what the mother was encouraging the youngest son to do. Because she believed in a better resurrection. And so that's what the author of Hebrews is talking about here. And then he continues, others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sewn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. They were rejected by society. The world would say they were in utter failure. All for following God. All for believing in God. All for having faith in God. So even though the outcome is completely different from those that we looked at earlier, the first list, and the second list, they both had faith in God. So how are we to reconcile this? Because if I had to choose my life, I want to be on the first list. I don't want to be persecuted. And when I'm tested, I want to pray, and I want God to show up and just open all the doors for me and make my life comfortable and easy. How do, I get, how do I get that kind of faith? Is there a way to get that kind of faith? Not the other kind, where you have faith in God and you know, you're facing death. How do we do that? Well, I think we have to redefine what faith is, and we have to redefine what success is. Tim Keller said, a faith that doesn't require success that doesn't need success, is the ultimate success. Let me repeat that. A faith that doesn't require success is the ultimate success. So as long as you're following God, as long as you have faith in God, then the outcome truly doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the world says you're a failure. And that's the kind of faith that you and I need. That's the kind of faith that the people in the second list had. 
Why? Because they were looking forward to better resurrection. That's what they were looking forward to. They were looking forward to something that hasn't happened yet. And that's the faith that you and I need, and that's the faith that all believers need as we face this sick world that we live in. Many of us are trying to make this sick world a better place to live. You know, we're focusing all our energy to make sure that here we can live a comfortable life here, a safe place. Whereas the Bible is teaching us it's not safe. Persecution is coming. So have faith in God. So how do we get this faith? Well, verses 39 and 40, it talks about how we get this faith. Verse 39, it says that all, and all these, all those who are in the Heroes Hall of Fame of Faith, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Right? So they were looking forward to something that hasn't happened yet. And then the author talks about us in verse 40. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So these two verses, you kind of have to read it over and over again to, to really understand what he's talking about. But, but essentially, it's talking about how we get this faith. So the people in the past, they were looking forward to something that happened. And for us, we've already received something. So we look back to what happens. And that's how we get this faith. So here's a little timeline. Uh, this is the best I can do. Uh, so if you ever wonder, like, oh, the Old Testament saints, like, how are they saved? Well, as we just saw in verse 39, they're looking forward to something that hasn't happened yet. Right? So they look, they're looking into the future, and they know that the Messiah is coming, that they know that that's how they're going to be saved. So that's what they look forward to. You can go to the next slide. And then, of course, you go to the next slide. Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection provided a way. So they were looking forward to the cross. For all of us who are in the New Testament era, right, we look back to the cross. And so that's why the author of Hebrews says that God had provided something better for us because we have something to look back. And we know the resurrection was real. And we know that through his death and resurrection that we are made complete, we are made full. And when the author talks about that apart from us, they should not be made perfect, he's talking about the future when he comes back where I talked about in Revelation 22. We'll all be gathered together in the city of God. And so the Apostle Paul in Colossians 2.10 kind of talks, summarizes this. It says, in Christ you have been brought to fullness. 
to completion. He is the head over every power and authority. So from this, we know that through Christ, we have access to spiritual blessing and power. So that's how we have faith. We, have, we can get this faith by looking back to the cross. And we have to have faith in God. And so when we have faith in God, no matter what happens here on earth, there are no disappointments. There are no disappointments in your life. We have all these goals. Operation Christmas Child. You know. Our goal is 50, by the way. I just wanted to exceed the goals, so I said 51. Because <laughs> I'm an overachiever. I always want to exceed expectations. <laughs> so, so the goal is 50. But let's get 51 boxes. Amen? <laughs> right. But even if we don't, that's not failure. Kyle may relate to this, but you know, when pastors gather together, you know, when they talk about their churches, I don't know, they, they, they care about the size of the church for some reason. Right? That, like that matters, you know? But they're all trying to size each other up. So you get, you get, you know, 10 pastors together, you know, and some of the pastors walk around and go, okay, so my church, you know, I have like a thousand people. How are you doing? You know, you got five. <laughs> but as long as you're following God, does that really matter? Is that really success that you have a thousand people in your church? No, the success is Having faith in God, period. Trusting in God, period. Don't let the world define what success is. Faith is what's needed. So here's what uh, John Piper said about the book of Hebrews which kind of ties into what I'm talking about here. The great challenge of the book of Hebrews is to cultivate and to spread such a deep and satisfying relationship with God that we rest in Him, whether living or dying, whether comfortable or miserable, to cultivate, to cultivate and spread the unshakable confidence that God is better than what life can give us and what death can take from us. That's the great challenge of the book of Hebrews. And that's really what many of us struggle with. Because life is hard. Life is a journey. And there are going to be many days where you just feel like you're running uphill or you hit a wall. Every direction you go, you hit a wall. But in moments like that, do not compromise from your faith. 
Have faith in God. And when you have faith in God, no matter what happens, whether you're facing death or not, you still belong to him. You are still a child of God. And God still loves you. So understand this. I don't know where you are today in your faith, but my prayer is that you have the same faith that was listed here. And God made this possible by sending his son, the timeline that I drew, the cross, is what made that all possible. And so as we sit in our comfort today in our comfortable church, let us spend some time in prayer. Let us pray for our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted. Let me invite Susan up for it. I'm just going to have her play a little piano in the background. That last song we sang before the sermon, Make Us House of Prayer, it's Probably a new song to everybody here. Maybe you knew the song beforehand. But I just love the lyrics of that song, so I asked, I asked the worship team to play that song. Make us a house of prayer. Make our intercession for you a mighty weapon. And so let's spend some time right now in prayer. If you can go two slides... So the next few slides, we're going to just see a fact. And then the next slide is going to show us like how to pray for that. So if you just go back one. So Christian children are persecuted for bearing witness to Christ. Not, not Christian adults. These are, these are Christian children who are being persecuted for them. So let us pray. Pray that God will give courage and strength to our youngest brothers and sisters. So let's pray right now for, for the children who are being persecuted. children who are being persecuted right now for knowing you, Jesus. Father, we pray that their faith will be unshakable, Lord God. We also pray for protection, Lord. Would you protect them, Lord God, and use them courage. Thank you, Lord. So persecutors around the world are determined to stop the evangelism and discipleship of children. And we even saw that in the example of North Korea. So let us pray that persecuted Christian parents and church leaders will boldly disciple children despite opposition. 
also pray next slide, that as children grow in spiritual maturity and obedience that they will become faithful witnesses also a spiritual component to all this as well. It's not just physical persecution. More than 500 million people worldwide are trapped in the spiritual darkness of Buddhism. So let us pray that they will experience the truth that Christ is the light of the world. Father, shine your light upon them. sisters free, Lord. May your light shine. May your light shine upon them, in them, and through them, Lord. May people see the light. Thank you, Lord. Let's all stand and let's pray this prayer together in one voice. Father, inspire me through the example of our youngest persecuted brothers and sisters to boldly shine the light of Christ to those I know who are trapped in spiritual darkness. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.